There is no secret formula for better customer service. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot, bringing service and support together in one powerful platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up a rep's time with an AI-powered help desk. Also, you can easily support and grow your customer base. Secrets out, everybody. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. Good morning, everyone. It's Wednesday, April 26th. I'm Mark Dent here with Juliet Bennett-Ryla, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're going to talk about Netflix's big investment in Korean content. You've seen Squid Game. There's going to be a lot more coming. But first, let's talk about everything else going on in the world of business and tech. Several big companies released Q1 earnings yesterday, so we've got a lot of numbers to report. First, Spotify. Its revenues lagged behind expectations, but its user growth exceeded them. The streamer now has 515 million users, 210 million of whom are paid subscribers. PepsiCo, Kleenex, and McDonald's all reported sales increases of 10% or higher. But it's not because they were newly popular and added a bunch of customers. The growth for all of those companies is at least partially attributed to price hikes. Opposite of that, we are seeing some price declines, especially from Tesla. The price of a Tesla Model Y, which is the company's very popular SUV, was slashed by $3,000 to just under $47,000. That's around $759 lower than the average U.S. vehicle. And here's where it gets pretty crazy. Just in the last couple of years, the Model Y cost around $20,000 more than the average U.S. vehicle at certain times. Tesla's competitors, as you'd imagined, are not nearly as thrilled as their customers. Ford CEO Jim Farley noted last week that price battles are, quote, breaking out everywhere. On to the internet. Yahoo acquired Wager, which is a social sports betting platform that will integrate into the Yahoo Sports fantasy offerings. And finally, a lawsuit. Author Demetrius Polycron is suing Amazon and the J.R.R. Tolkien estates for $250 million. He claims they stole elements of his Lord of the Rings fan fiction for the Rings of Power TV show. The lawsuit is, according to Kotaku, a little bit spurious. The lawsuit claims that his fan fiction is the basis for nearly half of the eight-episode series, and he says that the show copied the exact language from his book. Okay, on to Netflix. Over the last several months, Netflix has had some trouble. It reported some of its slowest quarterly revenue growth earlier this year, It rolled out an ad-based model last year that has not quite performed up to expectations. And they've been talking about the end of password sharing, which has seemed very unpopular among its user base. And on top of all that, you know, Netflix has said they're likely going to be investing in less content. But there's an exception to that, which is Korean content. Juliet, what's Netflix's big announcement regarding Korean entertainment? So Netflix is going to invest $2.5 billion in Korean content over the next four years. That's twice the amount it's already invested since 2016. And according to co-CEO Ted Sarandos, 
there's just a lot of confidence in Korean storytelling and the positive impact, he said, it's had on the world's interest in the country, which is this phenomenon known as the Korean wave. Basically, people have gotten very interested in Korean culture since the 1990s. You can see that across not just film and television, but also food and Korean beauty and also K-pop, which is a huge one. Right. You know, BTS, yep. you know, Parasite won Best Picture in 2019 during the 2020 mm-hmm. Oscars. And yeah, you know, Netflix, of course, has had Squid Game, as I mentioned there at the top, and a few other hits already. But what type of numbers and viewership are we talking about with some of these shows? Like, does it really add up for Netflix? So if you look at the numbers that Netflix is sharing as of April 20th, it's the latest numbers they've put out. Mm -hmm. The most watched English language show on the entire platform would be Stranger Things Season 4. Okay. And they have logged about 1.35 billion hours watched. That is followed by Wednesday, season one, which has about 1.23 billion hours watched. That is a lot. That's a lot. But let's go ahead and compare that to Squid Game. Okay. Now, Squid Game tops another list, which is non-English language shows. And Squid Game has 1.65 billion hours watched. So Squid Game is beating out Stranger Things and Wednesday, which you could say might be unexpected for a streaming platform that is based in the United States. But Netflix has global appeal and Korean content has international appeal because of this Korean wave. Over 60% of Netflix global subscribers are watching South Korean content. And the Asia Pacific region is one of its most consistent sources of growth. It had about 1.46 million new subscribers In Q1, that is compared to 1.75 million subscribers overall. So you have a lot of people from the region who are watching content on Netflix, and you have a lot of people everywhere who are looking for Korean content. Yeah. So some of the other big shows that have been on Netflix that are Korean hits include like The Glory, Extraordinary Attorney Wu, and the reality competition Physical 100. So what are we talking about for this new kind of influx of shows. How many is it going to be? And are there any types of shows that are in the offing already that people are talking about? So there's going to be 34 new and returning shows. And they're really across a lot of genres here. You've got some Korean dramas, which are very popular, some romance movies. We've also got some returning shows. Sweet Home is a returning show about a bunch of people who are trapped in an apartment building and slowly becoming monsters. That's one that I watched. That was really creative. That one's coming back for a second season. So you've just got a lot of different types of content. There's also dating shows, reality TV shows. The Physical 100 is a reality show where people who are at their peak fitness levels are competing. There's just really a lot of different content. And they're doubling down on some of the content as well. One thing that I thought that sounded really interesting was this reality show called Zombieverse, Uh which is a competition show where people are trying to survive a obviously fictional zombie apocalypse. And I guess they got the crew that did all of the zombie effects from another hit called All of Us Are Dead to make the monsters in this show. So they're really taking advantage of the talent and the properties that they have here. So kind of like a reality show set in a fictional world for that zombie verse. That sounds very intriguing. So what about other streamers, though? When I think of how the economics of streaming are kind of playing out, there are obviously several big players in the game. You know, Netflix, of course, Disney, Hulu, Apple, Amazon. You know, there's HBO Max with Mm -hmm. Discovery Now, now which will just be called Max. And they're all kind of like trying to get the same 
share of audience. They're all trying to survive. There's probably going to be a lot of mergers and acquisitions someday sooner rather than later. It's crazy out there. So what are these other really hardcore competitors of Netflix doing with regards to Korean content? Are they investing in this as well? Just taking a a quick glance at who's got what going on, Disney Plus teamed up with BTS on some content, which is very smart. That is one of the most popular K-pop bands in the world. I think they also did a special with Blackpink, who's also very popular. Mm -hmm. And then in late 2022, they did announce that they were going to have a lot of Asian titles. Saying stories from the region would be a key pillar for them for the next 100 years. So they are planning on sticking around. But of course, that is the entire region, not just South Korea. Amazon was running ads in the region, showing people the anime and Korean dramas that it had on its platform. But Warner Brothers Discovery apparently is not rolling out Max in that region until 2024, which I read about in a Variety article in which they called it a dreadful blunder. So... Different levels of investment here. Yeah. I think Netflix just, it really nailed it with Squid Game. That was such a global phenomenon. I remember the weekend that everyone was watching it. I took a walk in my neighborhood and could hear the song from the show playing like from multiple windows. Like So many people watched it. They really had a hit on their hands. And I think that's kind of why Netflix is the leader here when it comes to US-based streamers. Yeah. And it's interesting that it was Netflix that was the first because for all the kind of criticism that Netflix has been taking and some of the losses that they've been sustaining, they were the first to do original content, period, Mm -hmm. obviously a decade ago now with House of Cards. And they were basically the first true streamer to come out here. And so when there is lots of competition going on, Netflix can stand out because this Korean wave is one of the next biggest trends. And Mm -hmm. here they are at the front of it once again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of streamers will find like there's just too many right now, right? Like way too many. (laughs) You cannot subscribe to them all. And I think we're going to see a lot of people turning into niche sites that have what they want. And if you're somebody who loves Korean content, I personally love Korean horror movies. You're going to know, hey, I can get that on Netflix. So I'll keep Netflix. But if you like anime, you might just get Crunchyroll because that's where all the anime is. So I think to double down on what they know works for them, which is really just reaching in a global audience is smart. Yeah. And it's all about keeping subscribers. And we'll see if this does it for Netflix. And that will do it for us for today. Juliet, thank you for joining me here. Mm -hmm. And thanks all of you for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig, and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. If you're not subscribed, go get signed up at thehustle.co slash email. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey, everybody. I got a great podcast to tell you about. It's called Truth, Lies, and Work. And it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. On this show, you can join husband and wife team, Alan, Leanne, Elliot, as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. They actually just did an episode with John Smith, who is the manager and agent of famous Argentinian soccer player, Diego Maradona. He talks about in this episode how he was able to manage the global superstar athlete celebrity that Maradona is and was. It's a great listen. You better get out there and check it out. And you can listen to Truth, Lies, and Work wherever you get your podcasts.